All right, I'm in Jacksonville. It's been a great day. All Elite Wrestling has announced that Chris Jericho is here uh, for the long haul. President and CEO, Tony Khan, the official contract. I'm going to sign it. That's awesome. And the best part of all is the official AEW pen right here. So here we go. Signing on the dotted line, Chris Jericho, Mr. Khan. I'm a lefty. Oh, wow. It means you're more of a genius. <laughs> Thanks, there you go. Chris. I really appreciate Thank it. You very Thank you much. very much. I really Chris appreciate Jericho it. is now all in with All Eat Wrestling. You. We're going to change the universe, baby! Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, so um, I think this is probably the 525th episode of Talk is Jericho, something along those lines over five years. And this is the only solo show I've ever done. I've always had great guests, always had lots of shows in the can, uh, never been stuck without a show, except for today I wanted to do a show based on the news that everybody's talking about, which of course is uh, the fact that I am now in all elite wrestling. And I mean, wow, uh, you know, a lot of people are surprised by it. I knew it would kind of take the world by storm. Uh, and that it would be something that um, would make a lot of people turn their heads, uh, that a lot of people would uh, think, what happened? How did this happen? No more WWE. I still get a lot of people asking me if I'm going to end up in the Royal Rumble. No, I will not be in the Royal Rumble as a surprise entrant, which I wouldn't have been anyways. I, I did that a couple of years ago. I believe it was 2012, 2013, where um, uh, Dolph Ziggler came to the ring and said, hey, is there anybody out there? I'm going to challenge anybody out there to come to the ring. And it was me. And it was a legit surprise. And that's kind of when I started the whole, let's see if I can surprise people and keep people in the dark as to what actually Jericho was doing. And that's kind of what happened uh, this week when I ended up um, on, 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 on the, the big rally as the surprise guest, as the surprise signing, which was great. You know, there's over a thousand people in the parking lot. We know this because we printed out a thousand AEW towels which people then uh, took, and there were, we ran out of all those. So there was over a 1,000 people there. There's a couple of problems with the rally online uh, when it was being broadcast. Obviously, we didn't have a lot of great sound as far as the crowds being mic'd and didn't show a lot of the overall crowd shots. I mean, if you put, would have put a drone in there, uh, it would have been amazing, a couple drone shots. But anyways, the point is that it's exciting, and um, it is something that could only have happened with immense timing and happenstance and that's basically what went down so might as well start from the start how did chris jericho end up in all elite wrestling and i know a lot of people are, are quoting me by saying i mentioned that i had said in an interview a few years ago that i would never uh go to the w uh, never work anywhere in the states other than the wwe and that was the case that was very much the truth when all of this started, basically what happened was I finished up with the WWE, I believe it was in May of 2017, and that's when I ended up losing the U.S. title to Kevin Owens. I beat him at the pay-per-view. I can't remember which one it was. You guys probably know more than I do. And the next night on uh, – well, hold on a second. So I won the, the title, which jumped me to SmackDown, and then uh, Tuesday night in SmackDown, I ended up losing the title to Kevin Owens. He gave me the big – injury angle and that was the end of it for chris jericho um and i left i went right on the road with fozzy 
where we uh, had a great tour. Judas did bigger than we ever expected it would do and then just grew, grew and grew and grew and the band continued to grow and grow and grow. And that in, uh, meant that I would be doing a lot of touring over the uh, the next, you know, we didn't know at the time, nine months, 12 months, ended up being 19 months that we were on tour. And that was just an indication of, like I said, how popular the band was. And I didn't have a lot of time to be uh, working with the WWE or wrestling in general. So as a result, I just stopped wrestling. And that was, you know, that was kind of how, how you, you have to do this. If you're going to be uh, wrestling or if you're going to be uh, in Fozzie, you can't do both at the same time. It's got to be one or the other. So the days of, of juggling these sort of things is, is long gone. It's one or the other. And that's how I based the entire kind of, uh, you know, projection of my career at that point in time. So meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the ranch, the ugly duckling learned to dance, little David Lee Roth there. I got a call from Don Callis in the summer of 2017, pitching the idea, what would you think about doing a match versus Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome? And I thought about it, and I was thinking, you know, it's very intriguing to me. And what are the reasons why? Well, Kenny Omega is the hottest guy in the business, uh, someone I'd love to work, but he only works in New Japan. I'm Chris Jericho. I, I, I work in WWE, and when I'm not in WWE, I don't work at all. I hadn't, I hadn't stepped foot in another ring that wasn't sanctioned by the WWE or a WWE ring uh, since August of 1999. Here we are, like I said, in June of 17. And Don was like, do you think it could happen? I was like, of course it can happen. I'm not under contract to anybody. And I just thought, how cool would it be to have a main event at the Tokyo Dome of Kenny Omega from Winnipeg versus Chris Jericho from Winnipeg that was commentated by Don Callis from Winnipeg. And also it really intrigued me because it was a, a match that I knew people thought could never happen. And that was right around the time that Mayweather and McGregor was happening. Another so-called, you know, never before seen and never will be seen again fight that did huge numbers. So yeah, I, I signed off on the idea of it and we started negotiating and, and got hooked up with the new Japan people and had a candlestein meeting, candlestein, candlestein, which everyone is meeting in New York at the uh, Royalton hotel there, kind of in the darkness of the bar area and kind of came to terms on what we wanted to do for the deal, you know, or at least, at least put together the idea of it which was just going to be a one-off match. Jericho versus Kenny at the Dome. In and out, that's it. Took a couple more weeks, maybe a month or two to put together the deal. Also, the better the buy rate did, the more people that came to the Tokyo Dome, I got a, you know, I got a piece of that as well. So we really made sure to put my money where my mouth is in the fact that I thought this would be a match that would make big money because no one had ever seen it. So that's basically how it went. And then once the deal was done... I made a call to Vince McMahon. I remember we were on tour with Fozzie. I think it was probably October or November at this point in time. We were in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, playing a kind of a hotel ballroom. You guys that were there know what I'm talking about. And we always have VIP at 3.30. I told him we'd have to move it back to 4 because I had a call with Vince at 3.30, and I told Vince McMahon I was going to go work this match at the Tokyo Dome for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he was very... Uh, very uh, accommodating, very excited about it and and thought, you know, it's, even if you're working for New Japan, everyone knows that you're a WWE guy. And I was like, you know, it's just going to make me a bigger star when I come back. 
So we signed off on it like gentlemen, and, and that was the end of it. So started, went to uh, Tokyo in December, attacked Kenny Omega, and then January 4th, the Tokyo Dome, Alpha versus Omega, Jericho versus Kenny. Um, you know, people said, oh, it's the best match of Jericho's career. Five-star match. Well, whether you thought it was the best of my career or not, it was a great match, and most importantly, it really drew. Um, we put an extra 15,000 people or 10,000 people, 10 to 15,000 people extra in the Tokyo Dome that, that weren't there the year before. And more importantly, subscriptions for New Japan World went up 40% from 60,000 to 100,000 just based on that match alone. Huge hit. Uh, and then something else happened. Um, when I was there, I realized I really enjoyed the concept of New Japan being around the guys, watching how everybody was doing things, the uh, definite uh, difference in freedom that you have being in New Japan. Uh, nothing against WWE, but when you're in the WWE system, it's Vince's system. That's the way it works. You know, there's no uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Vince is the boss. He tells you what he wants you to do. If there's something else that you want to do uh, in lieu of that, you have to go talk to him and get it approved or disapproved. New Japan was a little bit more Wild West. You were given kind of an outline of, of what... Uh, Gato and the rest of, of of the office of New Japan wants you to do, and then you follow that. And if you know if you if you have some ideas along the way, you don't really have to get them approved. And I really kind of enjoyed that, calling my own angle and kind of thinking of everything. You know, I was introduced with a video at one of the shows under secrecy, which blew people's minds. And then once again, uh, out of the shadows, attacking Kenny Omega. I believe I came from behind, um, the the from through the crowd, and I attacked him, and people were surprised by that then leading to the match and a couple days before the match we went to tokyo and as we were going over the match uh, i took gato aside and said listen i'd like to do something at new year's dash the next night um because i really want to do more here my idea was to do something with tanahashi gato's like no do something with naito which was great because Naito was the guy that was complaining about the fact that it was a double main event, proclaiming that he was the main event, Naito and Okada. Uh, and we went on kind of as the double main event right before them. Uh, Jericho Omega had all the focus and we had the better match. So that pissed him off. And then I surprise attacked him at New Year's Dash and then left. I had no deal with New Japan. I did that one kind of as a freebie, as a Google gesture. We'll put together a deal later on in the year. When I come home, I get a call from Vince asking me what happened, why I attacked Naito. Um, I thought it was just a one-off. And I said, well, it is just a one-off for now. I might do more with New Japan. If I do, I'll definitely let you know because, you know, I want to run everything past you, make sure you're cool with it. And if nothing else, at least I left Japan with my heat. If nothing ever happens with me and Naito, at least I left with my heat. So um, it took a couple months after that to put together another deal. Uh, and ended up signing a three-match deal with New Japan. And that's around the time that Vince uh, had called me to come back to do the Raw 25th anniversary show, which I didn't want to do. He called me and asked me if I would do it. I said, well, I don't want to go to the ring. I want to be backstage only. He said, absolutely. Did something with Elias. And then he called me again to do the Saudi Arabia show, the greatest, greatest Royal Rumble ever, which I wasn't too keen on. But then he made an offer for one match that was ridiculous, I'd say definitely in my top 10, maybe my top six or seven or eighth biggest pay, uh, payoff ever to do one match in Saudi Arabia, which was a little bit of a hassle. Uh, the, the trip, the airport was, was, was hard to get in and out of. And I mean, I sat there all day and I entered at number 50 and did, you know, uh, three minutes. But the original plan was for me to work against uh, uh, Undertaker in a casket match. 
Vince called me and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, absolutely. I'd love to do it. And then a week later, I finalized the deal with New Japan. And I uh, called him to tell him, hey, I'm doing three more matches with New Japan. And this was a little bit less of a positive response than I had gotten from him before. Because now he was a little bit more apprehensive. Obviously, three matches is a lot more. And New Japan is on Access TV. And anybody that has TV in the United States is competition for Vince, uh, for the WWE. But I was doing it. I got a great deal. And I, once again, really enjoyed being back in Japan. And I didn't have time to come back to WWE. It's not like I was I was besmirching, uh, uh, trademark William Regal, the WWE for New Japan. We were touring so much with Fozzie that three matches over the course of the of the year was basically all the time that I had. Because every, with every match, I had to go do an angle as well. So I took eight trips to Japan from December of, of 17 to January of 18. There was four matches and four you know, setups slash angles. So I could tell that Vince was a little bit uh, concerned about it. And then three hours later, I get a text that I'm out of the casket match and that Rusev is back in. Because originally it was Rusev and Undertaker. Then it was Undertaker and Jericho. Then I got switched back to Rusev and Undertaker. And when I asked Vince why, he said, well, because the Prince... Uh, wants the Rusev uh, Undertaker match. And I'm thinking, you know, no offense to anybody, but I, I think the Jericho Taker match is much bigger. And then I started realizing, well, of course I was pulled from the match because why would I get a spotlight match where, let's face it, Taker and Jericho, we would have stole the show. Nobody could have stopped us, casket match or not. We would have had the best match on the show. And I, I completely guarantee that. I don't even remember who I think Cena and, and Hunter were on the show and a couple of the people, but just knowing me and knowing Taker and the chemistry that we have and the fun that we have, it would have been one of the best matches on the show. So why give Jericho, who's now contracted to what Vince considers to be a rival faction, a rival company, why give me a spotlight match where I can steal the show and people are going to go, where's Jericho going to be next? And it's, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that's fine. But it was something that kind of was like, okay, a little bit of a, of a all right, cool. So then June, I go and uh, win the Intercontinental Championship from Naito. I had a great match with him and won a title. And about four, three or four weeks later, I pitched the idea to Vince, called him. I'd love to do an Intercontinental Champion versus Champion match at SummerSlam, Jericho versus Seth Rollins. And Vince, once again, was, well, I don't know how that would work and can we do it? And I was like, Harold Mays, the new president of New Japan, he wants to expand. I bet you we could figure something out. And this is something that happened all the time in the 70s and early 80s with WWE. And Bruno Sammartino was always going to New Japan via WWE and Andre the Giant and, you know, Stan Hansen. They were having talent trades with Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid. It was something that happened all the time. Hogan, Hulk Hogan did it. So I thought maybe it'd be something cool. And in this stage, we can do whatever we want. And there's no such thing as, you know, just WWE or just New Japan. Why don't we give the fans like a dream match? Like once again, a double main event of Rollins versus Jericho, title versus title. And you don't even have to have a winner. You know, do a cheap DQ finish, but do it in a, in a cool way where whoever Rollins is working with next, let's say Strowman comes down and, you know, destroys me and destroys Rollins and puts me through a table or whatever. I mean, and Rollins attacks him at the end. And they brawl out of the crowd and set up the rematch for, you know, the next pay-per-view, whatever it may be. There's a way out of it. Never heard back. Made the call, pitched the idea, never heard back. Now, here's another factor. The Jericho Cruise, the Rocket Wrestling Rager at Sea comes in. 
I'd been working on this for three years. And my idea was always to hire a wrestling company to take care of all the wrestling. That way I don't have to worry about booking it. And I don't have to worry about who's available and who's injured and who's going to this company and that company. Um, my original pitch was to NXT. They passed. A uh, Ring of Honor um, agreed. So then I start uh, getting a little bit closer with the Young Bucks, with Cody Rhodes, because they're in Ring of Honor. And now they're going to be on the cruise. And they had to agree to it. You know, do you guys mind coming on the cruise? I really need you. And the Bucks were the first ones to sign up. And they were like the first advertised act that I had, followed by Cody very early on. So then we start a group text with all of us. Kenny's on it as well, because then I invite Kenny. He's not with Ring of Honor, but he, he's coming from an outside source. And now we become, we're becoming friends. Obviously, Kenny and I were friends, had a great match. Whenever you have a great match with somebody, it really kind of solidifies your... Um, your relationship together. And, um, you know, now we were group texting. We're becoming friends, making jokes, laughing, talking about the cruise, all this different stuff. And um, then I start hearing about this guy called Tony Khan. And this was brought to me, brought to my attention by uh, my, my manager, Barry Bloom. There's a guy who wants to start a new company. Uh, his family is very wealthy. He's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, he wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, sure, cool, whatever. I mean, you know, you hear this stuff all the time. Guys want to start companies, and then they don't, and it's false alarms, or it's a big scam, or I'm thinking of Herb Abrams, and I'm thinking of global wrestling in Houston, and, you know, all these different uh, – SWS was a big uh, company that opened in Japan in the 90s that was started by uh, – I think it was the Megume uh, Eyeglass Company. And so there's all of these the, – you know, it's a get-rich-quick scheme. You know, let's just get into wrestling and start a company it's not that easy to start a company but meanwhile i'm like for the first time ever thinking well maybe i'll talk to him and who knows right who, who knows what might possibly happen i'm not going to work there but maybe i can use it as you know negotiations or or give some advice or whatever it may be because around that time i'd also called uh the asper family in 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 in, in manitoba that own impact and told them to basically hire Don Callis and Scott Demore or get out of the business. You know, you need to hire these guys, not because I wanted to go to impact because I want the business to continue to thrive. So yeah, I'll talk to Tony Connor or you talk to Tony Barry and see what he has to say. And you know, it's, pro it's probably nothing, but at least it might be something good for the business, something good for the boys, something good for the fans. Anytime you have more options and more choices, it's good for everybody involved, right? So then I do the thing with Naito and then uh, we're touring with Fozzie and I don't know where uh, I hear about all in and all in is of course the Cody, Cody, the Cody and the bucks, Cody and the bucks uh, decide that they're going to do their own show uh, based on kind of a, a handshake bet that I don't think Dave Meltzer even knew about, but he was told that it was his fault that he said they couldn't draw 10,000 people. They took that as a, uh, as a challenge and lo and behold, they sell 10,000 tickets or whatever it was in 30 minutes. Good for them. These are my friends now. They're all on the cruise. Cody contacts me. Is there any chance you could do anything at all in? I'm like, dude, we got a Fozzie show that night. No way I could even do it, you know? And Cody even prefaces by saying, I know that Piper doesn't work in Portland, which is the great thing is with Roddy Piper when he was in the WWE, even though he lived in Portland, he never, he never would work Don Owens. You know, Piper doesn't work in Portland. Like, Just because I'm home in Portland, don't call me. And once again, I'm not going to work in the States, only for Vince McMahon. 
But then I started, you know, um, thinking about what I'm going to do when I come back. I see that WWE signs this billion dollar deal, $2 billion deal for, for um, TV, for television, for, for 2019. And then there's another example of, you know, Vince calling me and asking me to go to Saudi Arabia again. And I'm like, well, I got a show. I might be able to make it, but I don't know if I can make it. And him saying like, you know, I really need you. And I said, well, if if I have a show in Osaka, so I could technically do the uh, show, but I would need to take a private jet to Osaka. I could do the show in, I believe it was Riyadh, whatever it was, and then fly straight to Osaka how much am I getting paid? He said, I'll get back to you. He didn't. Same thing as when you guys know the story I told you about when he called me to do this surprise thing of Shane McMahon couldn't work at WrestleMania. I was going to fly directly from the Fozzie gig to New Orleans and be Daniel Bryan's mystery partner against uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I said, sure, uh, let me know. And then he never got back to me. So he would call me for these things and never get back to me. And listen, I know he's a busy guy, but the more times you don't get a call back, the more times you think, well, it must not be a big deal. So when Cody asked me about uh, All In, first I said no on this. So what do you have in mind? And we came up with the idea, well, it's Kenny versus Pentagon. What if you attack Kenny after the match, kind of to promote the cruise where we were doing the big six-man rematch, which, of course, was the Bucks of Jericho, uh, Matt, Nick, and myself, versus the Bullet Club, the last match of the Bullet Club, which was Cody, Kenny, and Marty, that iteration of the Bullet Club. And then Nick Jackson had the idea, of, instead of just running in, why don't you dress up as Pentagon, do the double switcheroo, and then attack him? So that's how we we did that. You get, there's been a whole podcast about that, how I flew to Chicago from Little Rock and then did the match and then flew back to uh, Kansas City to do the Fozzie gig that night uh, on a private plane, which was provided by Tony Khan. That's something I never told anybody before. Uh, Tony Khan provided that jet. Also, we happen to have a Fozzie gig in Jacksonville, Florida around that same time, maybe a week before, a couple weeks before, or might have been a week after, sometime around then. That's when I had a meeting with Tony Khan for four hours and really got a chance to get to know this guy and hear what his thoughts are and hear what he wants to do with this company and hear, hear what he's thinking and, and, and what he's feeling. And that's when I realized this guy really wants to do this. And does he have any previous experience running a a wrestling company no does the president of the united states the last two had any experience in politics no but what they both have all three of them had is passion and and experience with business and tony and his father have never run a wrestling company but they own the jacksonville jaguars nfl is entertainment it's sports entertainment as well they own the fulham of fc in london the fulham football club of the premier league although they might drop this year hopefully they don't you know this is a big deal in europe and in england to own the the football club that's in london that's show business so they have a lot of elements and a lot of acumen when it comes to uh to running big businesses involved with athletics and entertainment and providing entertainment for their fans. And that's when I really got to figure that out. And then we started talking, you know, possible offers and this, that, and the other thing. And the original offer that came in was was like, it blew my mind. Like what? Like this is a real, almost like an NHL level offer, which I'd never gotten before. But I also know that with the money that WWE has, that they can probably match it, you know, if, if, if they want to, if they really feel that they need to. 
So then you start thinking and negotiating and all this sort of thing. As time creeps on, after All In, kind of the shots were fired that Jericho said he'd never worked anywhere in the States, but now he did. And that was done as a message to WWE, letting them know that, hey, I'm out here, still causing waves, no pun intended, but I'm going to do things the way I want to do things. And then the cruise comes. That's a huge hit. We have a great match, Alpha Club versus Bullet Club. And I realized that these guys are really good and fun to work with. That pay-per-view goes up on Fight TV. That draws some numbers. And now I'm like, I really am enjoying what I'm doing here. Every match that I've had has been, you know, an excellent match. Kenny, Naito, Evil was a fun one. You know, the Cruise match. And then all the way up to the Tokyo Dome this year. You know, do I really want to go back to WWE? You know, if I go back to WWE, what am I going to be doing there? You know, what, what what's... Uh, What's the, uh, what kind of an angle would I have? How high up on the card would I be? Because it was fun, you know, being double main event, every show main event and, and kind of having all this focus and all this attention. And, you know, who would have expected it back in 2015 when I was basically just doing house shows for WWE, but with a combination of reinvention and creativity and working with some great opponents, suddenly Chris Jericho's name value is maybe even bigger than it's ever been. And so I really want to, I really want to uh, uh, focus in on this and, and pay off with it financially, creatively, uh, fulfilling, you know, what I want to do. And that's when we really started getting into kind of the nitty gritty of, of what is, what am I going to do? Where, where do I want to go? You know, do I want to stay just with New Japan? Um, which I would have gladly have done. I really enjoyed working with New Japan and, um, there's a lot of plans, a lot of great matches I can have there. Tanahashi, Okada, Suzuki, Osprey, Ibushi, all those guys versus Jericho would be great matches and money-making matches as well. Uh, do I want to go back to WWE? It's possible. Uh, if I do go back, you know kind of what's going to happen, where it's going to be slaughtered. I mean, Jericho versus Kevin Owens was probably the best angle on the show. Uh, the year that we we did it, and then we the payoff was at WrestleMania where we were the second match on the card. I thought that was very low on the card. I thought it should have been a lot higher for the amount of TV time and the amount of interest that we have. I mean, when you put something number two at WrestleMania, it doesn't matter how how great the match is. You can tell it's not really a focused upon one. Also, there was a character change. When I first did the Tokyo Dome match with Kenny, there was the lighted jacket, the sparkly tights, but my character was so psycho I didn't think that that really fit anymore. And that's when I was like, I need some long pants and, uh, you know, uh, maybe the hat. I thought the, the, the hat was a good idea because when I attacked uh, uh, Naito, I did it under a mask. And the guy who wears a mask that I stole it from had black lipstick and black eyeliner. And when I took the mask off, I looked like Ozzy on the Die of a Madman album cover. And I thought, I like that vibe. It's kind of a clockwork orange, Alice Cooper, Ozzy Osbourne you know, Art the Clown from Terrifier, kind of this creepy type of a thing. And that's where the hat came from. And then, you know, the leather jacket. And then, then suddenly the paint is on there. And now there's a whole different character. And to go back to the WWE and be expected to be, you know, Chris Jericho, the list guy, I didn't know if that would really fit either. Because that that's really not where I'm at anymore as well. I, I change in my mind so much. And, and once again, if I go back to WWE and don't have the list, some people might be, you know, angry. 
Then there was, you know, Impact. I got to tell you guys, man, I've been really impressed by Impact over the past year. I thought Don Callis and Scott Demore have really turned things around in that company. And I really, really enjoy it. And I thought long and hard about doing some shows there. I even had a meeting with Scott and Don in Toronto and Ed Norholm. Uh, the offer they made was a great offer. That's something that's funny when I hear like, you know, all these companies are vying for the for the talent, for the free agents, WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, and someone mentioned MLW. Dude, what about Impact? They've got money. They were going to spend some money on Chris Jericho. We had some great matches planned. Jericho versus Sammy Callahan, maybe, or or with Johnny Impact, or Brian Cage. You know, Rich Swan. I'd love to work with Rich Swan. Um, so I did honestly talk to Impact and really, really thought about going there. And then Tony Khan came in with this offer. That's, you know, the, the, the biggest offer I've ever been offered in my career. And then you have to stop and think, okay, if you're going to get this offer, then you know you're going to have some real focus. As big as the Bucks and Cody are, uh, Hangman Page has some steam, and, and all the guys that were kind of earmarked to go to, uh, to, to, to all, all Elite, even if Kenny went there, he hasn't gone there yet, but what if he did? So th there's a lot of different ways that can go here. And when, when you, you, Tony kind of puts the money where the mouth is, now I'm like, well, I really have to think, if, if, you know, do I really want to make this jump? And it's a little bit hard because I've worked for WWE for 19 years, love the WWE, but I put myself into Chris Jericho's shoes back in 1998 when I was contemplating leaving WCW and thinking, how much further can I go in WCW under these rules, under these uh uh, conditions. And I realized I probably can't go much farther uh, just the way that it was. I mean, I might've been able to, but it was, I wasn't ever really earmarked to be a top guy there. And after working on it for three years with WWE coming in, once again, putting the money where the mouth is and not just the money, but the, 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 the ideas and the attitude and the excitement, it wasn't hard for me to step away from WCW and go to WWE. I mean, it was hard in some ways, from a, from a legal standpoint and kind of a, a clerical standpoint, but from a passion, desire, and fire standpoint, it was an easy decision. So I put myself in those shoes, you know? Could I walk away from the WWE and go to All Elite Wrestling, a brand new company that doesn't even own a wrestling ring at this point, as far as I know? And after some, some introspection, the answer was yes, I can do this. Because uh, what, what AEW is doing is they're showing me respect and they're showing me that they have a lot of expectations for me. Like the cart is on my back. I have to do great work and I have to go the extra mile to help make this work. In WWE, it doesn't matter what I do. It's still going to be WWE. In AEW, it does matter what I do and I have to be my best and I have to really use my 30 years or 29 years of experience to help build this company. And that was exciting to me. It's like I said in, in, the, in the press conference uh, at the rally. I said, I didn't do this for the money. I mean, the money's great. Don't get me wrong. But I did it for the, for the chance to do something different, for the chance to be, to be challenged. And that, to me, is why I still wrestle. It's one of the reasons why I love being in New Japan is I was challenged there. 
And I was expected to be great. And if I wasn't, there's too many great guys that would have overcome me. Like I was laughing just reading the Observer uh, this week where they give the rundown of the Tokyo Dome. And before the Tokyo Dome match, everyone's like, well, what's going to be the best match on the show? There might be five or six potential matches of the year. This one, that one, this one, that one. And of, of course, you know, Jericho and Naito will probably be good. Of course, it's going to be good. It was good last time. You know, but I was not mentioned in the top four or five. It was like kind of a honorable mention. I was like, you know what? this you wait and see don't ever put your cards against jericho and now all the pundits and critics are saying it was the the, the best match on the show or the second best match of the show or one of the favorite matches of the show and i'm like you know it's, it's chris jericho here i always have an idea of what i want to do and nine times out of ten it's good so why would you put me in the afterthought category of like you know this one's going to be great and this one could steal the show and this one could be a match of the year oh, and then the jericho one would probably be good too no it's not how it works that's what I'm expected to do in New Japan because I have to. If not, there's too many other guys that are going to steamroll me. Same thing with All Elite Wrestling. I have to do the best job I can because if not, our company's not going to get off the ground. It's not. I'm expected to be the best Chris Jericho I can be. And I don't give a damn if I'm 48 years old. In the ring, I'm, I'm better than I was when I was 28, better than I was when I'm 38. You know, my conditioning is great. I feel great. My ideas are great. My creativity is great. So I don't, I don't buy that. You know, I go see the Stones and Mick Jagger is still the best front man in the world, not for a 75-year-old man, for anybody. He's Mick Jagger. And so that's why I was brought into AEW for, for, for you know, the offer that I got and for the, the amount of focus and potential and all that sort of stuff that I'm going to have on me. Once again, I still kind of gave the WWE the benefit of, hey, listen, guys, you know, the train is leaving the station. Are we going to work together or not? And to their credit, um, you know, we, we talked and, and all the way up to a few days before the rally, but there was never really an offer given. And I understand the reasons why, and I'm not going to get into those. I understand Vince's mindset is just as he understands mine, but we did leave on amicable terms. You know, we really did. It was a, a, a shaking of the hands, proverbially, a thank you. Uh, a couple other things were discussed where, both of our sides were happy with the with the arrangements that we made and, and, and the and the kind of the closure that we got. You know, Vince McMahon is my friend. I mean, I respect him so much. He's helped me a lot and 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 we've made each other a lot of money. And most importantly, like I said, we're friends. So the last thing I wanted to do if I was gonna leave the WWE was do it as a as a screw job or as a as a you know, stabbing in the back, you know, I didn't want that. I never wanted it the whole time. I always told Vince what I was doing and, and he knew, you know, he knew before anybody else that I was going to, to, to all elite wrestling. And, you know, once again, once I go there, I'm gone. And so there was a big brouhaha, you know, the past few days of people saying, Oh, as soon as Jericho appeared at the rally, he was put from the active roster to the alumni on the WWE website. Well, why wouldn't I be? I'm not in the WWE anymore. I am a WWE alumni and a proud of WWE alumni. But why would I still be on the active roster of SmackDown? I'm not there anymore. You know, this is a three-year exclusive deal with the exception of New Japan, which I still intend to work with. You know, we don't, we don't have anything set in stone, but, but we're working on it. But other than that, I'm not working anywhere else. I can't contractually, nor would I want to. It's, it's AEW all the way. And the other thing was people were saying that I was taken out of the then, now, and forever uh, video at the beginning of SmackDown, the beginning of Raw. Once again, why wouldn't I be? 
Why would you promote somebody on your show that's working for another show? That's obvious. That's that's business. I, I would be surprised if I still was in the video. It's the same reason why Vince took me out of the match against Undertaker uh, in Saudi Arabia, the casket match. Why would you put me in a casket spotlight match when two weeks later I'm going to be on Access TV in the main event uh, of, of, of the Osaka Arena show versus Naito? So I get that. You know, it doesn't bother me at all. It's, it's the way it should be. But, you know, once again, I, we can all hold our heads up high and realize that we did things the right way as the way it should be. No ill feelings, no ill will, no talking shit behind each other's backs. That might happen, but not on my end. I love the WWE. I respect the WWE. They go through ups and downs creatively and stylistically and character-wise, but it's the WWE. It's the biggest wrestling company in the world. You're not going to beat it. But we don't want to beat the WWE. I mean, we're not, we're not planning on that. That's not the mindset of AEW. The mindset is to provide an option, an alternative for wrestling fans, something that you haven't seen before, haven't seen in a while. And when you see the roster that we have already, knowing that we're going to be adding more to it, I think it's very exciting. And it was very exciting for me to come back from the Tokyo Dome this year. I got back Sunday night. I signed my contract Monday morning. I took a video of it and sent it to my dad, and he was uh, very excited about it. And then it's time to go to the rally. So my wife Jessica and I, we go to Jacksonville. We get there. Once again, it's going to be a secret. Nobody knew I was there, including the boys. The Bucks and Cody and Tony knew I was there. That was about it. You know, the, the rally happens, and, and all of these cool things go down, and all these people appear, and Pac, a.k.a. Neville, shows up as a surprise, and... We've got a lot of really interesting ideas and thought processes, and there's a lot of people there and kind of explaining what AEW is going to be. And then right when Conrad Thompson comes and he's, he's finished up and he's, you know, ready to, to end the press conference, suddenly, you know, the music plays and uh, out comes Jericho. And it was funny because Conrad had to stall because they weren't uh, playing the music, but when he finally was ready, uh, when they finally got the... Uh, the, the, the music set, the uh, it starts, and here comes Jericho to the ring, to the stage, and it's very crazy because I walk on the stage and they set up all this pyro and all of this smoke, and people are like at first wondering either could it be or what is this music or why are they playing Fozzie, and then they realize here's Chris Jericho. You know, and my thing was, what do I? What, should I wear leather pants and leather jacket, or should I wear? And I'm like, no, I'm gonna go there like a like a hot like a high, a highly signed, highly touted free agents uh, in a football uh, team or a, a NHL team or something along those lines, wearing a suit, sunglasses, you know, coming out there looking like I want to look, feeling like I want to feel, looking like a star, like Gene Simmons says, always look like a star. And when I came out there, people went nuts. You know, they really did. Because I don't think anyone really believed that I would actually sign with AEW. And once I did, like I said, it legitimizes the company. Now it's not just a bunch of quote-unquote indie guys or international stars. Now Chris Jericho is here. You know, uh, one of the biggest stars in WWE right now. If I went back there, you know, and, and I didn't go back there. I came to AEW and suddenly we have... Some, some real 
news, you know? And the coolest thing was I did a little speech and I said, you know, once again, the things that I said, if, if I know this is free, but if, if you had to buy a ticket for it, you could take that ticket and, and put it in a frame and stick it on the wall as a souvenir of the night that AEW began. We just took things to a different level. My name is Chris Jericho and I am all in with all elite wrestling where I'm not here to change the world. I'm here to change the universe. Is there a little irony in the words there? Of course there is. Change the universe, right? Uh, and then after that, I say my speech and I, uh, uh, when I say change the universe, that's the cue for the pyro to go off. And dude, the pyro that they had was WrestleMania, uh, worthy pyro at the top of the Jacksonville stadium. I mean, they were shooting off this pyro and it was so loud and so long. I was howling because in a bit of coincidence, not really, I'm sure there was no coincidence behind it, WWE SmackDown happens to be literally across the parking lot at the arena in Jacksonville. And of course they knew we're going to be there. I don't knew, I'm sure they didn't know I was going to be there. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell Vince I was going to be there. Just like he didn't tell me he was going to take me out of the uh, intro of the show. Now we we, we made our, our, we said our goodbyes. We, We shook hands, preferably, and now it's time to go to war, right? Go to business. And I know when the when that when that pyro was going off and those fireworks that were going off, I'm sure Vince was like, "Damn it, would you shut that pyro off? I'm trying to do a meeting." I was just envisioning him just getting angry at this pyro, just shooting and shooting and shooting. It kind of made me laugh. <laughs> but there you go. Once the pyro's done, everyone knows Chris Jericho's there, and then here comes the deluge of of press and of you know. Everybody's got a comment on it. Everyone's got a theory on it. And we're on CBS Sports and we're on Fox and we're number one on Twitter. And we've got, you know, uh, 750,000 people watching the rally. And now we're off and running. Now it's real. Now AEW is a thing. We had a big after party uh, afterwards, kind of in the club area of the Jacksonville Stadium talking to Tony Khan, talking to all the great people he has backstage working for him because he hasn't just been amassing a talent roster. There's an infrastructure behind the scenes. And it's exciting because there's a lot of people that are doing their certain jobs for the very first time. Now, you might think, oh, these guys are too green to know how to be an executive vice president or how to be you know, the, the talent, head of talent relations or, or, or the head of business marketing or the head of merchandise. Hey, Vince McMahon in 1982 or 1983, whenever it was, took over WWE, that was his first, you know, chance to run a wrestling company. He never done it before. It's not like politics where you work and run the local wrestling company and then run the state wrestling company and then get into the Congress wrestling companies and then become the president. No, you're going in there cold. And we've got the Khan family, Shad and Tony, who, like I said earlier, know how to run big business, know how to put on a show and entertainment. NFL, like I said, you got to be you got to be good to be able to have a, a football team that's successful and that draws people. And then you got Cody and the Bucks as executive vice presidents. I mean, what do they know? Well, what do they know? Cody walked away from the WWE because he thought he could do more and, and created his, this international star for himself. And so now he's running a wrestling company. Guess who else ran a wrestling company? His father, Dusty Rhodes. And Cody is Dusty's son through and through. It's in his genes. Young Bucks, what do they know about running a wrestling company? Those two are the first guys that started the whole revolution. The first guys that said, we don't have to go to the big leagues, quote unquote. We don't have to sign a contract. We want to do things the way we want to do things. We're going we're gonna to create our own image. We're going to create our own opportunities. We're going to create our own merchandise. They got into Hot Topic and made, made oodles 
of money on their own. They've been outside of the WWE system for years making big money. Seven figures even. So there are guys that know how to start a revolution. And whether this will be the next ECW or the next WCW or the next, you know, Tony Candelo, WFWA, we don't know. But all the pieces are in place. You've got young, creative minds. You've got backing that can go a long way. You've got some, some, some serious minds for the business. You've got some momentum. You've got some A-list talent, half of which America hasn't really seen on the big screen, you know, the television screen. And then you got Chris Jericho, the one that everyone knows, every wrestling fan knows who Chris Jericho is. Oh my gosh, Jericho's wrestling there? Let's check it out. That's the theory. That's the idea. You know, and we didn't announce everything at the rally. We announced Double or Nothing, May 25th in Las Vegas at MGM Grand Arena. We announced Chris Jericho. We announced Pac. We'll go through the roster in a second of who's been signed so far. There's other surprises coming. People are like, wow, well, we didn't get the TV announcement. Well, I know that there's negotiations that have been running deep on the TV for months and months and months. And there are big TV stations. That's one of the reasons why I'm here. We're not, we're not here to, to go, you know, on, on an app and, and come check us out, uh, you know, on channel 745 on the Dirt Bike channel. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but this needs to be big. We've got the money. We've got the talent. We've got the momentum. We've got the creativity. Now you need the television to match it. Everybody knows it. But once again, the Khan family has a lot of steam and a lot of contacts, and we have a lot of steam and a lot of contacts. And now when Tony goes into an executive meeting and they say, well, who do you got with you? Chris Jericho. Really? Well, I know that guy. Well, let's sit down and talk. At least that's the theory. I believe there will be a very big television deal that's going to be announced very soon. And the roster is going to expand as well. We've already started with a great roster, but now it's time to, to, to build it. But we don't want to give all of our ducks away and all of our you know surprises away, shall we speak, right off the bat. We've got a long way to go. Look who's signed already. Chris Jericho, that's me. Cody Rhodes, Executive Vice President. Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Hangman Page. I'll tell you what, that's the guy who's going to be a big star here. I can already, I'm salivating at the uh, chance to work with Hangman. I don't think he even knows it. If he's just this, this podcast, yeah, you wait and see, brother. All right. How about Chris Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, SCU, Southern California Uncensored. I don't know much about those guys because I didn't watch Ring of Honor. I saw them on my cruise. I've known Chris and Frankie forever. Never met Scorpio Sky. What a great tag team they are. And a lot of people are saying they're the Washington Generals for the, the Bucks and Cody. No, they're not going to be the Washington Generals. They're going to be contributing, and they're all great brothers, and they all have experience and know what to do, and they're exciting. And once again, very fresh on the national scale. Never heard of Scorpio Sky until I got a call from Cody saying, you need to put Scorpio Sky on your cruise. I did. He was a hit. He's another star. All right, that's the first guys right there. Then Joey Janela. Joey's come out of nowhere, hurt his leg, really bad knee injury, but was making a real name for himself by doing all these insane, crazy things. You know, he'll probably do some of that here. If, if I ever work with him, he won't be doing that, but we're going to learn how to, how to get over together. But he's already got over. He already runs his own shows uh, around WrestleMania, Joey Janela's spring break. Let's sell out in minutes. 
It's another mover and a shaker. Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, 22 years old, one of the hottest prospects in the uh, in the world right now. And what a promo, what a heel. What a great guy to put on there that no one has ever seen on the nationwide basis. How about Pac? Neville from WWE disappears from WWE, refuses to work for WWE, waits his contract out, then goes to Dragon Gate in Japan. I guess we lost him. Nope, he was there. Another great get. Love working with Neville. I think he'd be a much bigger star than he was in WWE, as does he. That's why he is here. Then something I thought was real genius that the the, the Bucks uh, found these guys from the Oriental Wrestling Experience, I believe it is, Oriental Wrestling, uh, Wrestling Federation or something along those lines. What happened was there was a company called Toriyaman, which was started by uh, Yoshiro Asai, and I believe it was called Dragon Gate. They started it. They used to be in WCW years ago doing all this revolutionary stuff, went to Japan, became big stars, and then left Japan and went to China. And it's Sima, and it's El Lindemann, and it's T-Hawk, and it's Takahiro Yamamura. And these guys, once again, no one's heard of these guys. Wait till you see them wrestle. It's like Cirque du Soleil type stuff, but it's okay to have that because you need diversity on a wrestling show. And no one's ever seen these guys before. They're going to be movers and shakers. They're going to be money makers as well. You wait and see. Then, of course, we got the female wrestlers. Brandy Rhodes. She's also the, the chief brand officer, the chief brandy officer. What's a brand officer? Same thing Stephanie McMahon does. She's in charge of, of basically promoting the brand, making people understand what it is. And Brandy's smart. She, she, she's got college education, eh? A lot smarter than I am. Britt Baker, she's a dentist. Britt was one of the, uh, the performers that had a great match at All In. She signed. How about Penelope Ford? Huge fan of Penelope Ford. She did another great job at All In. So basically you can see what's going on here is the, the nucleus that started with All In, the buzz that started with All In, and the, the performers that were involved in that impressed so many people. And this is one of the reasons why I think there's going to be some big television involved because that turned a lot of heads, sold a lot of merchandise. Pro Wrestling Tees, Ryan Barkin, who's been on this show before on Talk is Jericho, he's behind the merchandise as well. You got a lot of people, like I said, there's a lot of these uh, different moving cogs on the wheel of all these independent thinkers that have become successful on their own that are converging together here in AEW. Now, the roster's not even begun to be signed. You know, now more than ever, there's more opportunities for guys. And WWE's signing up as many guys as they can. And, you know, a lot of other uh, companies are signing up as many guys as they can. I don't think the idea for 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 uh, all elite is to sign fifty guys to exclusive contracts. I think the idea is to use the guys that we want to use that are available in the right positions at the right time. Once again, it's January here when this podcast airs, January fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, whatever second, third week of January. Our first show isn't until May twenty fifth. It's four months away. It's a long time to get more ducks in a row. There's a lot of guys out there that haven't signed yet that, that I guarantee will be signed. Most importantly, you've got a brand new venture, a brand new company, all elite wrestling. And it's exciting. For the first time since the WWE bought WCW back in 2000, I think it was 2001, you have a company that has more money 
than Vince McMahon. That doesn't mean anything. Billionaires don't become billionaires by losing millions of dollars. But you do have to start somewhere. You need to spend money to make money. That's been my verdict since I started, even when I had no money. I still scraped together, you know, 150 bucks for the best costume I can find, even if I only had 100 bucks in the bank. But then I was known as the guy who had cool costumes, which gets you a couple extra bookings, which then you can use to put back into the business. That's what the cons are going to have to do. That's what all these going to have to do. We're going to have to start and, and, and go through some money at first. But if we can continue the momentum that was started with All In and is continuing through the rally in Jacksonville last week and take that all the way to Vegas. If we sell out in 10 minutes for the Vegas show, now we've got some steam. Now we got some thunder. So it's exciting for me. After 29 years of wrestling and the last 19 of them, well, last 18 of them being with Vince McMahon in the last year, rocking it in New Japan. And now to be taking this step away from the WWE, it's like walking out of the walking out of your house. Like I said, I'm, a, I'm an outlaw. I'm a maverick. I'm a pariah. I like that, a pariah. I think I might use that more, the pariah, Chris Jericho. Why not, right? Reinvention. Keep it fresh. Keep it clean. Keep it exciting. And that's what we got going on here. You know, um, somebody put up a graphic on Twitter of AEW is Jericho. And I thought, well, that's a great T-shirt. Let's put it up today. We had that up at the end of the rally. And someone's like, that's a recycled catchphrase. No, it's not a recycled catchphrase. It's my phrase. You know, rock of Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Raw is Jericho. uh, Monday Night Jericho. I did it first, Seth. All respect. AEW's Jericho with number one selling t-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees for the past week. And why wouldn't it be? It's a built-in catchphrase. It looks cool. The logo looks cool. When I see pictures of me at that rally standing on a stage in front of a logo that says All Elite Wrestling, is it weird for me? Yes, it's weird for me. I had WWE tattooed on my rear end. But things change. People change. Ideas change. Ambitions change. Goals change. And I'm excited. Is it weird to not be in the WWE? Of course it is. WWE's the biggest wrestling company in the world. Am I going to miss my brothers over there? Yeah, I miss some of them, but I bet you some of them will be in AEW within the next year or so. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for another three years. You know, am I going to miss working for Vince McMahon? Of course. I love Vince. He's a genius. But we got some other geniuses. And you got to take a chance. And you got to make some moves. You can't rest on your laurels. I've never been that guy. I've always wanted to to revamp and change. I always want to be known as the David Bowie of wrestling. Bowie was never the same. Album to album to album, the look changed. The music changed, but the singing was always Bowie. The Beatles, the same thing. Beatles always evolving and changing. Never looked the same from album to album. Music changed constantly. That's what keeps it exciting. I want my set list to always have new songs in it. I don't ever want to be a nostalgia act. I could go out there and be working, you know, whatever, the, 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 the community centers or the theaters or whatever it be, uh, saying, welcome to Raw's Jericho or, 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 or doing a countdown or, or Y2J. Y2J is gone. You want to chant Y2J when I'm out there? You know what was cool at the rally? When I first came out, people were chanting Y2J. And then after that, they started chanting Jericho. Y2J is so 20 years ago, and it's such a WWE thing. If you want to chant it, go crazy. But it's not who I am anymore. And to go back to that would seem like a sellout. I've got something. People said, oh, you sold out, Jericho. I did not sell out. I kept my creativity 
and my love for the business alive. Had I not come to AEW, had the opportunity not been here for me to come to AEW, I might not be wrestling anymore. Had I not had the opportunity to go to New Japan and create the whole, you know, shape character, the, the clockwork orange Jericho, I don't know if I'd be wrestling anymore because the last thing I want to do is go in the ring and have people go, wow, he used to be great. Uh-uh. The moment when I think that I didn't have the best match in the show or the second best match in the show or a great match, the best of my capabilities, I will be gone quicker than you can say Bandersnatch, which is a great movie, by the way. You got to see it. Um, it's on Netflix. Bottom line is this. I always love what I do. All I ever wanted to do was be in a rock and roll band and be in the wrestling business. And they say, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I haven't. And I'm not going to start now. So I'm very excited to be a part of All Elite Wrestling and to see where it goes. It could end tomorrow. It's not going to. It could end a year from now. It's not going to. Or maybe five years from now, we're a legit multi-million billion dollar wrestling company that's toe-to-toe with WWE. You never know. We could be going worldwide. We've always already had inquiries from inquiries or inquiries from Australia, Germany, the UK. I mean, Tony Khan, the Khan family is based in London, for gosh sakes. You don't think we'll be in London working? You don't think we'll be back in Japan, going to Germany, Australia, New Zealand? There's a lot of places for us to go. And I'm excited. I got a good crew of guys, new groups of friends, new opponents. Are you kidding me? Cody Rhodes versus Jericho. What a match that would be. How about, you know, Cody and Jericho versus the Bucks? How about Jericho versus Matt Jackson? Jericho versus Nick Jackson? Jericho versus Adam Page? Jericho versus, you know, T-Hawk from OWI. Work with those guys. So a lot of great opportunities and fresh matches. I love Kevin Owens. I've worked with him for a year and a half. If I go back to WWE tomorrow, I'll probably end up in an angle with Kevin Owens. And it's never going to be as good the second time as it was the first time. This is the first time I've been in AEW. It's the first time AEW exists. And like I said, I'm not here to change the world. I'm here to change the universe. And it all starts May 25th at the MGM Garden Arena in Las Vegas for Double or Nothing. I'm so excited for all of you to join us on this new ride. We won't let you down. Thank you so much, guys. Weird to talk for an hour myself. Hopefully uh, somebody's still listening. But that's it. That's my journey. Jericho's journey to all elite wrestling. All right. We'll see you soon. Aye! Aye!